0: actually make the zoom meeting big are you ready are you feeling gorgeous I'm feeling gorgeous glad to
1: see your face I'm glad to be talking about music so I'm in my happy place
0: hi I'm Patricia welcome to the 115th episode of a breath of song I'm so glad you chose to do this today which is extra special because Pam Blevins Hinkle is joining us for a songwriter conversation hi Pam welcome Hello, I'm so happy to be here. We are here to find more ways of singing songs that help us heal, adapt, grow. Your voice is exactly what's needed for this, and that was you as in the listener. All of our voices will show up as they are today. I'm coming to you straight from my home in what is now called Burlington, Vermont, on the unceded lands of the Abenaki people. And Pam, tell us where you're calling from. I am calling from the
1: land known as Indianapolis, Indiana, which was violently and unjustly taken
0: from the Miami and the Kickapoo and the Shawnee and the Delaware. Here we are, feeling the connection to our breath, vibration in our body. Let's find how good it can feel to sing. Last week, I shared Pam's song, All Motion is Love. You can always click back and listen to that if you missed it. Today, Pam will be teaching us a relatively new song of hers called Reciprocity. We'll learn it slowly so it can settle inside you. You can begin to trust it as a resource. Let it move you into a state of flow. Then we get to have a conversation with Pam and we'll sing the song again at the end to close out the episode. You'll always be able to find this with full show notes and artwork on the website a breathofsong.com. Let's start with a yawn stretch. Mm. Oh, arcing over to one side and then the other. Starting to yawn. Oh, rolling your shoulders back, moving your neck, whatever your body needs to open up a little more space in your joints, a little more space between your bones, let your ligaments slide a little more easily. And starting to pay attention to the breath as it comes in and out. Notice your ribs can widen. And release and your belly can widen your back stretch and release your jaw and open into your pelvis widen your hips down to your toes and release up through your spine out your skull and letting the air just drop in and whoo, letting it siren out. And again, drop in. Whoo, one more time. Drop. Who, 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 who. Sing back to me. Meow, meow, meow. Meow meow meow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You. You.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bwah! Bwah! All right. I'm going to turn it over to you, Pam, to share reciprocity, please.
1: This is a song about our relationship with trees, what we can learn from
2: them. I breathe for the trees, and they breathe for me. I breathe for the trees, and they breathe for me. I breathe breathe for for the trees, trees and they they breathe breathe for me. I breathe for the trees, and they breathe breathe for me. That's the first part. I breathe for the trees and they boom. breathe for I breathe me. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. Second part. You and me. <laughs> And our tree living in reciprocity. You and me. And our tree living in reciprocity. You and I breathe me, for the and and our tree, and a tree, living I breathe for the tree, reciprocity, and third for part, me. rooted in the moment and reaching for each other, rooted in the moment and reaching for the dream. Rooted in the moment and reaching for each other. Rooted in the moment and reaching for the dream. Rooted in the moment and reaching for each other. Rooted in the moment and reaching for the dream.
1: And so those are the three parts of the song. And now, let's hear it all together. And I really find that I have to have my body going when I'm singing it, right? Singing is like a whole body experience and I really like to feel my leaves blowing in the wind and my trunk being grounded and rooted as I sing the song.
2: I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe you for and the trees and they breathe, for, tree, me. breathe for the tree. Breath I breathe you you for the <FC2> trees and they breathe for the promises. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for the tree. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for the I breathe for the trees and they breathe for each other. I put it in the dream, moment And the breath of I the
0: Story
1: behind it. Um, so I wrote that song about a year ago during the pandemic. My husband and I took lots of walks, like lots of people, to get out of our house, and we used it as an opportunity to go exploring the parks in our city. And there's a park not far from us called Riverside Adventure Park, and it's it's a park that's a reclaimed golf course, mm-hmm. and it's just happened very recently that they've turned this golf course into a park and there's some public art, and it's nice for walking, but I just, every time we walk there, I have this, like, this this, this feeling, and you know how golf courses are, the trees are few and far between, and they're spaced way apart, mm. and so there was just a lonely energy in this park from those trees, mm. and a sadness and a heaviness, and I, I, you know, kept thinking about how many years of pesticides have been put into the ground, mm. and, um, And I've read a lot of, and trees are, I just adore trees. And so I know that they're communal creatures and they don't want to stand alone. Mm. And so I was walking in the park and just feeling like a lot of gratitude and thinking about how these trees need us and we need them. Mm. And so I just started singing and I, you know, they make our air, we make what they need to survive. And we need each other. And so this line of I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me just uh, just came to me while I was walking, and as did the second line of that song. And I was walking with my husband, so and I think he might have been slightly annoyed because I wasn't really paying <laughs>
2: attention to him.
1: But because the songs, they take you when they take you. You, you drop in or drop from the river of mm-hmm. song, right, in a moment, and you, you don't know that it's coming. And and then it sort of takes you over. And so it was really my gift to the trees, you know, when I wrote it, is that I'm here for you. You're here for me. I will come here and walk and breathe with Mm -hmm. you. And as the the golf course slowly reclaims Mm -hmm. itself, right, Mm -hmm. back to a park. And I don't know what their plan is for more trees or if it's just going to happen and go wild or, you know, what that's going to be trees are very sacred to me and they have been since I was a little girl climbing them and I love them. And then that last line of the song came to me later, rooted in the moment and reaching for each other. right I just love I love this about trees. They're tall and sturdy and they sway and there's so much movement in them and sound in them and then they have these roots that go down and don't just go down but spread sideways Uh and feed and are part of that that uh, mycelial network and connected to everything and and we need to do that right we need to often reach down and feel how we're Mm -hmm. connected and also feel the movement that's alive in us and so this rooted in the moment and being present and reaching for the for each other, Mm -hmm. right? Reaching for each other, we're not Mm -hmm. standing alone. And rooted in the moment and reaching for the dream, right? That again, it's this forward. It was important for me to think about like what's the forward Mm -hmm. piece of this? I'm not just standing still. We have this idea sometimes of trees as just standing still and they're not. Um, And neither are we. Um, And that rhythmic element really kind of brought the song together um, in a beautiful way.
0: So I'm curious. So I was just learning it as you were singing it. I haven't sung this before at all. I haven't heard it. And I'm curious what what do you say to people, you know, when you're learning a three-part song for the first time? What are your suggestions to people as the, as they learn a song? Do you suggest that they learn every part and try to sing every part in rotation? Do you suggest that they f- find the part that speaks to them and settle on that part or how how do you suggest people remember the these parts or find their way in a song like that you know um I,
1: I always tell people to find their own way and like just let let the pieces and the parts call to them in the group I run song squad we have a we have almost no role, rules right but the one rule we have or we shouldn't call it a rule with well, a guideline we have is that you can sing whatever you want to wherever you are so if you're standing and singing a certain part and you're like, I think I really like what I'm hearing on the other side of the room. I could just walk over there and do that. And sometimes with those kinds of songs too, a single note, you know, if you hold a single note, the drone that's with that, or just two notes, that's, then that's the part you have to offer, right? And a lot of times the songs that I'm creating are, are uh, you might've noticed the first two parts were short, but the third part, the rooted is longer. It's twice as long mm-hmm. as the phrase, right? And so I gives people options mm-hmm. too right is to I can live into the longer phrase or I can just sing I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me right or just I breathe I breathe I breathe I breathe right so people can find their way in and I I'm really very intentional in my songwriting about making space for for all voices and all abilities and and uh, and people get very excited though that when they hear how we can stack together with our differences mm-hmm. to create something really satisfying and beautiful in the moment and mm-hmm. connected right and we do a lot of repetition mm-hmm. in the group I find rep- I'm a f- uh, classically trained musician so Drilling as part of my discipline, but just also what that repetition does to our bodies and our cells, and we just stay with mm-hmm. that. When I'm teaching that to group group of people, we will stay with a single part until it really feels like a one voice mm-hmm. singing, right? And all and you could see it in people's faces, and you could see it in their bodies, right? That they've rooted down into whatever that is. And then we move on. And generally, I teach everybody all three Mm -hmm. parts, right? And then it's like, okay, who wants to Mm -hmm. sing what? (laughs) And then sometimes some people don't want to sing one of the Mm -hmm. parts. And then that's fine, too. And that's what the song is in that moment, right? Uh, Yeah. And people have great things to offer that I didn't think of. I've had, like, new parts added to songs by people. And I'm like, that's what that was missing. Or... Um, another song that I wrote, I couldn't quite think of the fourth part. I'd written three parts, and I w- I was had it in my head for months, and I'm like, I just, I it just, it's not coming. The fourth part isn't coming, and then I'm like, oh, I, I'm just going to teach the three parts. And what was missing you know, was the improvisation, ah. and the group went crazy with it. I didn't ask them to improv; it just happened. And so, so much of singing about me is like letting us f- be fully. That's what I mean. Being fully present in our singing in the moment is. Uh, it's not just about singing. What's it's not just about teaching and learning. That's that's lovely, and it's an exchange that's helpful and important. But it's then also seeing where it all carries us, and we never know that.
0: I love seeing and hearing the excitement in your body and your voice as you're talking about singing, and as you're talking about singing with people, and exploring with people, and hearing people explore and and going places. And I'm wondering, so your song, Reciprocity, is born out of a a place of of heartache Um, and Mm. and thinking about environmental damage and economic inequity and racism and political violence and wars, terrorism, weapons of mass destruction, disinformation. Only a few of the great challenges of our time, right? there's a lot of heartbreak, loneliness, a lot of sense of not being in community. Talk to me about what you see that supports people to find the, the kind of energy and creativity and, and desire and uh, the hopefulness in a way that could actually shift things.
1: Okay, not a small question at all. Not a
0: small question. You know, I'm going to just dive right in. <laughs> Let's just go for it. You know, I,
1: um, my, my life has really been around music and about arts administration. So I have been working at the intersection of the arts and community and spirituality for really most of my life in one form or another. It doesn't always include singing. Singing has been a thread that's connected me from the beginning. I'm a lifelong musician. I come from a family of musicians. And I really like see these things as tools that we've forgotten about. So I, th- the arts, the humanities, religion or spirituality, um, however you frame, the, the universe, right? That we can't explain the mystery of the world that connects us. Um, those things are, are, are the tools and we've mm-hmm. forgotten them. They've become things to look at or read or, um go to um they have become kind of transactional mm-hmm. right even our own singing forms have become forms of entertainment and I actually like despise the fact that everywhere I go in public there's music and play- there's music playing it just drives me batty because it's 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 um it's not being used as a powerful community building agent mm-hmm. right as an mm-hmm. agent of change mm-hmm. these things aren't aren't just things things to consume, right? And so, because we've lost that, we've also then lost their con- their power of connectivity to one another, mm-hmm. right? These are t- tools that connect us to one another, right? And so, and this is why community singing is so important to me because that is what what it is, right? It's about, mm, it's a, it's about actually many things at once. It's about connecting ourselves to what's, Uh, deepest inside of us it's about connecting us to that same quality in each other it's about connecting us to each other and it's about connecting us to that larger I don't know what it is that connects us all you know however you might name that holy thing that Mm -hmm. sacred thing right but but singing for me has always been the place that I find that I find all three of those things and we've lost so much of that Mm -hmm. in all of our creative endeavors and there are many of us out there trying to build a bridge back to that right and um lawrence cole another songwriter calls singing one of the oldest technologies of Mm -hmm. belonging i love that these things are technologies of belonging they're technologies of connection and they're so powerful um because they have evolved into concert halls and performances and i love performances let me i'm not dissing on performances let's be very clear right but but we have lost this idea that that capacity lies within us and we have moved into this place of not good enough and this is really like how i backed into community singing six or seven years ago now when i faced a health crisis and i Uh, had to really sit and discern uh, what does this mean for my creative life? If I can't make music the way I've been making it, then what can I do? And I had to really discern, like, what is the thing? Mm. What What is the central thing about making music? What is the thing? And I realized that it was the moment after a performance or after a concert with my choirs or after church, right after a choir experience at church, when someone would come up to me and with tears in their eyes, say, I didn't think I could sing, but today I did. Or they would share some horrible tale of musical wounding, which so many of us carry around, um, and then say, but I, I shed some of that today, and I sang, and it felt so good. And I realized that that right there, that Mm -hmm. right there was why I did what I did. Uh, And then I started Googling. I'm like, okay, there have to be other people like this who are into kind of perfection-free whatever. And this is how I found community Mm -hmm. singing. And it was just the most exciting thing ever. And I'm committed to it because I think it is a tool for how we grapple um, with the emotional trauma of living in these times right how we how we how can we do that i don't think we can make any of those changes if we aren't if we aren't carrying um the connection that our creativity and our imagination and our spirituality uh,
0: bring for making us feel whole and making us feel connected the capacity that's built by being in connection yeah Wow, but you've opened up this this wonderful, wonderful, colorful box of ideas, of threads that we could follow deeper. I'm wondering to start with, if you can tell us a story about a particular time that you remember song specifically, your voice shifting something in you. Oh my goodness,
1: there are so many. Uh <laughs> Actually, the, the thing that comes to me immediately, which, not surprisingly, is a connection, is, a, is an example of the things I'm talking about. I've, I've been a lifelong musician. I'm a cla- actually a classically trained flutist who has sung her whole life. And so singing has always been a piece of that. And I've conducted many, many choirs. So in the early 2000s, I was artistic director of the Indianapolis Women's Chorus, which was a fabulous experience. And the chorus was a lesbian feminist chorus, and I found myself in Ohio at a at a festival and found this incredible ritual called a winter solstice singing ritual. It was a book published by Emerald Earth Publishing, and it seemed really fantastic. It was a stories and songs, and there was a choir and drumming, and so I took this back to my congregation, and I said, I really think we should maybe do this here. This would be to be cool it's a winter solstice ritual um our church had a lot of really great musicians they were excited about it and so we we pulled it together and we held it in the in december of uh, 20 uh 2004 and something everything magic happened in that space that i i had never experienced at that level before we had a We had a choir of about 30 or 40 people and we had a cellist playing with us and we had four djembe players in the corners of the rooms and the music is this rich array of chants and layer songs and storytelling and readers and and we set the room up in a circle and there was a beautiful altar in the middle created by a professional artist and you know, we didn't know what would happen. We we put it out there and said, okay, community, we're, we're going to do this thing. And we were mobbed. So the building, actually, the fire code would said it would seat 250. And 400 people came. And we didn't know at the time that the fire code was 250, I should say. We crammed so many human beings into that space. And something happened. And we were we were not it was not st- staged right so the choir was part of the circle the choir was not like at a, on a stage or it, it was we were all a thing and there was tons of congregational singing and with the building just levitated there was one song we sang and we sang it so many times and i was not willing to stop it because the crowd was just they they were consumed and uplifted and and their spirits were just raising the roof literally right with their joy with their energy with their gratitude for the return of the sun and the season and what we had to do i i actually had to cut that song off by standing on a chair and jumping off of the chair because i could not get the crowd's attention in order to end the song wow. and and it was wow. just when it was over i'm like what just happened here and all 400 people had the same feeling we were all and we had a huge feast yeah. at the end of it right it was just and everybody mm-hmm. was spellbound by what we had just created together and i was spellbound um and i'm like oh my god this is what i'm supposed to be doing this is like this mm-hmm. container that's that's uh some some crazy Blurred combination of ritual and performance because it was both, right? If you only were ca- coming mm-hmm. to see a show, you got that. If you were coming for more than that, if you wanted to go deeper in that, you could, you did. You could get up and dance in the circle. You could mm-hmm. sing. You could whatever. And I was. it was obvious that the community was so hungry for that. There was just huge, huge mm-hmm. hunger for that. And that really started for me like a whole... What is that? We're almost 20 years now. And that space is where I love to work. That is it ritual. Mm -hmm. Is it performance? Mm -hmm. Because we all are coming to that table differently. um, And some people are less comfortable Mm -hmm. with that and they just want to sit and soak in. And that's okay, Right. And other people want to get up and do an improv dance in the middle of it all.
0: So do you find that after the pandemic now, you know, when that kind of put the kibosh on 400 people in a 250 person space and um, it, things of course shifted, right? And people are are finding ways to come together again and there's a, it, it feels kind of raw and kind of new. and and there's a lot of exploring going on about what does that look like now what does ritual look like now we've had our own very private rituals over the past two years and now we're coming back into a public sphere what are you bringing out of that time into what you're offering now how is that how is that changing what your interest is and what you feel what you feel there's a need for? Yeah, um, such
1: a good question. I I don't know that it's it's changed what the container looks like and people's mm, accommodation for risk is different now. Mm-hmm. And I know during the pandemic, I I wrote a lot of songs uh, because that's well, there was time to do that since we couldn't really gather in the same way, and most of them were. We're ritual kinds of songs, really. Now that we are moving back together, you know, it so depends on the moment. Some people are ready for something really different. Like it's a time where we, we are both willing to risk in a new way, but also tentative as we step out. Mm-hmm. It's an energy I'm still um, feeling into, and I feel the same way. I know actually with the song mm-hmm. Reciprocity, one of the, one of the really great things that happened with that song is that a member of my singing group, Song Squad, got into the public allies program and ended up working with the Indiana Forest Alliance. And so they started a campaign for our urban forests here in Indianapolis. And so she wanted to use the song Reciprocity for the campaign. So recently, mm-hmm. 40 strangers just gathered in a park to learn the song spontaneously while being videotaped with a drone camera and all kinds of things. And they're gonna be using that song for the next year as part of their the Indie Urban Forest campaign in a promotional video. And the folks who showed up on a rainy cold day on a Friday at 6 p.m. were like, why am I here? And what is, what is going on? But they were curious and they love trees. And they were looking for a different experience. And they were very skeptical about what was about to occur. And it was fabulous. It was wonderful. So that, to me, was just like a a kind of an example of people having faith and going, well, I'm going to go to this thing because I like trees. And I don't really know what it is. And I'm not really a singer. But maybe it'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were giving Mm -hmm. away tree seedlings at the time. So there was a a little extra incentive. Mm -hmm. And it was... Uh, both performance and ritual, right? We were performing for the camera in a big mm-hmm. way, but the, this moment happened. We We practiced it under like a gazebo so it would sound good. And then we went out under four of the most beautiful big trees and sang it. And the shape of it was completely different. And everybody wow. then settled into it with the the protection of the leaves over them and the connection we'd built to one another by sounding together was really tangible and so I don't know if I'm answering your question but I'm just and we we did do our winter solstice ritual for the first time in four years and we didn't get as many people as we usually do because people are still nervous about or at least we're at that time mm-hmm. nervous about congregating, especially in singing, which is yeah. just a big spit fest, basically. I I think it's a really potent time to try new things. I recently had the honor of working with Lindsay Scott on a, a grief ritual that we did here in the city of Indianapolis. And it was a huge experimentation for both of us. And uh, she's a very expert grief tender. And I wanted to bring improvisation into that mix and 12 people took a risk, and none of us knew what was gonna happen, and it was really quite miraculous what occurred that day. And also with the, the, the racial upheaval, I do a lot of work at the intersection of the arts, humanities, and uh, racial injustice in my day job, and so it is a time where people are willing to be bolder to create change for the world, and that's taking all kinds of forms.
0: So I hear you talking about song being used as a technology in maybe targeted ways, at, and, and in places where people might not expect it, might not walk in thinking, oh, I'm gonna I'm a I'm an environmental activist, or I'm not an environmental activist. I'm just I love trees and I'm gonna go do this this thing about trees and and okay I'm gonna be singing okay, and then dropping into a moment that's unexpected that the song can carry us connect us in a way and drop us into time and space in a way maybe that we can't that is more challenging to get to without the music
1: i absolutely believe that
0: you mentioned writing during the pandemic and writing because these other options weren't available to you now and that your songs that were coming out were part ritual songs and i'm wondering if you'd be willing to say whether you find yourself using song privately in any ritual form or non-ritual form, whether you use it privately as a technology for yourself. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, All
1: the time, Uh, sometimes perhaps to the annoyance of those around me a song also has a way I I forget to breathe I don't know if anybody else does that but like I get very tense and I carry a lot of tension in my shoulders and 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 then I find I'm, I'm breathing shallowly I'm not connected I'm not rooted and I can feel all my energy and stress like just rising up rising up rising up and I forget that I have roots and I forget to drop into my breath and so for me singing is just like a a really practical and i suppose if i did meditation it would do the same thing right there's another great technology but for me singing brings me back down into my center and connects me to my breath again
0: so give me an example sing me the song tell me what happened and sing me the song that you sang
1: so i th- a lot of times what i do is um i sing to myself from myself yeah me too so i will just like go ah you're okay
2: you're okay you're okay you're okay you are whole you are well you are breathing in this moment you are whole you are well you are breathing here
1: So that's like I just sung that off the top of my cuff, Absolutely. right? Because actually the, your question made me tense. I'm like, oh no, I have to perform a thing, I don't know. And so that's the kind of thing that will I will do, right? And my staff actually is used to this. I've closed my door often because I'm like, I'm sorry and the walls are paper thin. I'm like, I gotta sing. And I'll do it before difficult meetings. Um I I work in a sphere where I have to say, challenging things to people in power. Uh And I'm always terrified. (laughs) So (laughs) so, um, I do it anyway. Uh But um, so that as often like as preparation for what I know is going to be difficult. It's I I I anchor there. So then I I'm I presence myself first with that as opposed to responding to it. Although and then I respond by taking a walk
2: mm, because mm. I
1: need to be among my people, which are the trees. Mm-hmm. So I need to be outside with what's rooted mm-hmm. and what's blowing um, as a mm-hmm. response. So so song for me is like oftentimes how I'll how I'll prep for something Mm -hmm. or if I'm nervous about Mm -hmm. something right again because it puts me in my body and in my breath which is how I need to stay present Mm -hmm. how I be present Mm -hmm. right for things that are difficult and I won't say that I always remember to do that but I often remember to do that um Mm -hmm. when things are challenging Mm -hmm. and and also you know, we are improvising all the time. We have a conversation and we're improvising. And so I always, I'm a worrywart man. I get stuck with these narratives in my head like, "Well, what's, what's she gonna say? Well, she's gonna say this and if she says this and I should respond that way and then I have this ready mm-hmm. and then I have this ready. And so you, before you know it, you're writing out a narrative that you don't even know will really happen. Mm-hmm. And so I gotta bring back, you're fine where you are mm-hmm. and you can breathe into the moment and, mm-hmm. and give the moment what's needed in the moment and what needs to be said in the moment, in a a good way, Mm -hmm. um, in a a beautiful way, in a way that builds a connection, Mm -hmm. not division, at least that's my attempt.
0: I noticed coming out of the pandemic that, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of my interactions were in Facebook or on email. And there, I do a lot of editing, I realized. You know, Mm. so I have a chance to respond and then, oh, yeah, well, that's not really what I want to say. Go back, delete it, respond again, delete that, try one more time and okay, and then send it out. And then when you're in real person conversation interactions, it's a little harder to go. Wait, wait, wait. I take that back. Now I'm going to restart. Mm -hmm. You can't Mm -hmm. erase, can't erase things. And so there's a different, um, different pacing, a different awareness. And I'm realizing, of course, with these podcasts, I write out a script and I put out a set of questions. These are things that I might come to. But then I also want to follow the conversation and the energy and the questions. And so I end up throwing out to somebody like you a question that's not on the script anywhere and that you that you bravely took up and went with. But the skill of improvising, of trusting ourselves, of recognizing when we're not dropped in, being able to recognize the feeling of, oh, wait a second, I've lost connection to myself. And let me just quick take a breath, refind it and then respond. That skill is one that Rhiannon, for example, works on intentionally developing. It's a craft. It's a learnable thing. You know, it's like mm. addition. It's something you can Mm -hmm. learn how to do. You don't have to come knowing how to do it from the Mm -hmm. Mm get-go. Yeah. How do you take care of yourself besides singing, not meditating? I heard. And walking.
1: Walking. Walking is huge for me. I try to walk at least an hour a day. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not the greatest at self-care. I mean, that is like I'm 62. I should know how to do that. I still struggle to do that. I'm still often very trapped in a, a mindset of evaluating my life according to productivity. Was I productive today? Did I get something done today? And the self, the language that goes with, oh, I didn't do anything today. I was worthless, mm-hmm. right? And so I have have a mm-hmm. lifelong struggle with rest. And care and and honestly, I think singing and walking have probably saved my life. But I don't I don't do enough of that. Even with the music and the singing, I tend to oh you know more things to do, more things to you know. So um, I'm still learning how to take good care of myself. I'm uh, lucky to be partnered to a wonderful man for over 40 years, who is a trained chef, and so food eating good delicious, healthful food is one way that we share together and we cook. We both cook, of what that means, and growing food. He's really the one who grows it, but I enjoy the benefits. Mm. Now, self-care is really, um, I'm really contemplating what that looks like in the last third of my life, right? Yeah. As I contemplate, what does it mean to leave uh, an arts administration career of 40-plus years that's been high-octane? Can I, can I let go of that identity? And what does that mean? What does that mean for my music making? What does that mean for my relationships? What does that mean for where I choose to be and how I choose to be? Mm. These are all like really fresh and open questions right now. I have not a lot of answers. And actually, ironically, as I'm really looking at this, like, how do I move music? Which has been a rich side gig uh-huh. To more to the center of my life, uh-huh. and how do I do that? Um, but what that has actually manifested in is like a ton of stuff to do, and so there I am again, yeah. right? And I've got a for uh, a very demanding full time job, and I've taken on all these incredible artistic and musical things in the last nine months that are huge and rich, but of course they've added to the time, and and then I have parents who are aging and who require more energy and and actually I just returned from seeing my my dad who's recently had a couple of strokes and no longer has language and doesn't really know who I am anymore and music is something that we share Um, it was the major connector for us in many ways and so now I'm just really feeling that and feeling into the importance of the relationships Right. Uh-huh. And um, and and I'm sh- quite certain I haven't valued or centered relationships as much as I should have in my life. So I'm trying to think about what it and I've been wrestling with for a decade. Right. Ever since reading Adrian Marie Brown's book about emergent strategy and, you know, thinking about how transactional our living is and how it needs to be relationship-centered. So I I find myself moving toward that, and that's what's nourishing. When our lives are centered around relationship, then the nourishment that comes with that is what we need. And so I'm still, it's like a barge that turns slowly, right, (laughs) I'm still unshackling myself from what our culture tells us is the way to live and to be productive and capitalistic-centric mindsets and all these things that I'm trying to rid myself of, um, which will, I think, create self-care and nourishment automatically if I can do that.
0: Mm. Mm. And at the same time, kind of putting all of that in a barrel and saying, well, this was bad, is, is part of that system of judging things and closing them out and lumping them together, mm. it's it's hard to hold the complexity of the beautiful things that you experienced and the ways that you grew through your demanding job, and the parts that that you want to release, the parts that aren't aren't feeding you, aren't nurturing you, but you're not ready to completely leave that job yet, and so. You're talking about transformation from within, and and bringing something else into the center when the center is already full. I hear. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Do you have any other questions that are that are big in your that you're carrying right now? I hear that self care question and that combination. Those are. I, mean, I hear so many big questions. They are big. Um,
1: I think. A- question that i i really am carrying forward again as i'm thinking about what the 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 last part of my life looks like is being close to physically and emotionally to my family i grew up in a family that lived from coast to coast and none of us had money and i have many relatives i barely knew Mm -hmm. um and my husband's family is all rooted here and i have so admired that and so my kids are grown and moved to chicago and so i'm thinking a lot about well what is my real? You know, how am I close, literally close to my children emotionally mm-hmm. and physically, mm-hmm. and and with my dad ailing, I'm thinking a lot about who's caring for me when I'm old, and will this? Will I'm so aware of how poorly we treat our our seniors mm-hmm. and our elders, and and what does that look like for me and for Eric, and what will it be to, to be alone without my husband if when that time comes, as I'm watching my dad's wife grapple with her life without him after many decades. So these are all questions that are, are haunting me, but also, here we go back to productive, what can I do? <laughs> What's left with my time? What? How do I want to use the prestige energy that I have? Yeah. And I have another health crisis on the front that I'm not really sure about right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really like, well, I gotta have, I gotta use the time I have right. to right. to make as much beauty in the world as I can right with the time that I have so I just I think every moment every hour every day for me is like waffling between these two like I need to rest and oh but I have so much more good you know good things to to come out of me and I think creative people do
0: and it's so challenging because relationships for example beautiful moments in relationships don't get documented. I mean, I'll guess unless you've got your selfie phone out. Chunk. But generally, those aren't the moments that are documented in a way that you can look and you can say, oh, look, I made this album, I did this video, I've got these concert programs that are, you know, I helped see this project through. But relationship building, close, intentional relationships, which always ebb and flow and flux and shift, as people shift, mm-hmm. it's hard to look at those with the doing look right? and say, oh, I did that relationship, exactly. Exactly. right? You know, and yet
1: what, what you're yeah. speaking about is making me remember visiting my dad recently, and he doesn't have language now, and he's lived far away for most of my life, and it was hard to not be able to communicate with him, and he's a writer, so words and language are mm-hmm. powerful things. And, and I'm pretty certain he didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. However, I'm feeling very peaceful because at some point when we were visiting, he he pointed to his heart and he pointed to my heart. Oh. And he went back and forth pointing to my heart, pointing to his heart, pointing oh. to my heart, pointing to his heart, pointing just back and forth. And I'm like, okay, oh. we, still, we still know each other there, yeah. right? And so we still have a grasp of... Um, the essence of one another and of how we are connected to each other and I you know and I said to him yes dad you are always like right right there you are always right there and I'm always right there and I have no idea if he understood me <laughs> but you know when I flew back to Indianapolis and this was just a couple days ago I just I I I knew when we flew down there that he might not know who I was. I didn't know if he would know. And and I have a lot of peace now yeah. coming back knowing that even without language, even without whatever that we're there, yeah, his heart, my heart, and he feels that yeah. and so do I. That has brought me so much peace in the last few days and with and with whatever is coming. For both of us Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it was everything it was everything that just teared me up that's a beautiful beautiful story yeah Wow so we've gone from environmental degradation and restoration possibly to aging and relationships relationships with trees relationships with people threads connections what a rich conversation you did this conversation really well I think you could check oh. this off <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> it's the improv training I'm telling you <laughs> so we're gonna go into the lightning round questions okay so these are quick well I'm, I bet you can guess what a lightning round question is so what's an yeah. album that was really important to you um this is a slightly crazy, but it's an ancient, ancient album
1: from the 60s, a Peter, Paul, and Mary album, because my mother played it incessantly while I was growing up, and I know it's where I learned to sing harmony. Which one? Oh, you know, I can't even remember which Can one. Can you name some of the songs uh, that were on it? Oh, yes. Uh, um, Hushabye, Don't You Cry, you know, Puff the Magic Dragon, mm-hmm, all the old mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. right, from the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was a a Judgment Day was one my, mm-hmm. my family my brother and mom and I always sang together uh-huh. and so three part harmony so it just it mirrored we would listen to Peter Paul and Mary and then sing Peter Paul and Mary in three part So harmony. cool.
0: What is your favorite soup? Oh, split pea with ham, no question. <laughs> okay, you and my husband. All right, what is a sound you feel strongly about? Doesn't have to be a beautiful sound, or it could be, but just a sound that you react strongly to.
1: Uh, so, this will be no surprise, but the sound of leaves on trees. And so I've actually made it my walking practice to listen to the difference between the types of trees and the different sounds that their leaves make in the wind.
0: So I can think right off the top of my head of poplar, the way poplar sounds and the way that maples sound and how those are different and the way that beeches sound and how those are different. But are there other trees that stand out for you and sound?
1: Quality. Yeah, the tulip tree in Indiana, oh, yeah. uh, which is our state tree, tree yeah. has um, you know such a a large leaf structure, and they just have a completely different quality of sound. We have lots of maples in the neighborhood, and and there's just a handful of tulip trees, and they just make a very distinctive, fabulous sound.
0: Cool. Who is an artist you wish more people listened to? Um,
1: Lindsay Scott. Mm. Um, she is phenomenal. And a priestess of song uh, and an amazing human being and ritualist and her, uh, some song writers cast spells with their music and she is definitely one of them. So
0: she is uh, episode 69 and 70. Her interview episode is, is episode 70 on this podcast. If you want to catch a listen, I absolutely agree with you. And there'll be a link in the show notes to all of these things. But before we close where can we find you follow your projects buy your music what are you excited about right now uh, you could find out more about my work
1: um and also pamblevinshinkle.com but i will have to say like i stink at keeping my websites up to date <laughs> i'll get to that but uh, it's not been a priority and i've i've written a ton of music that's nowhere online um, and people can be free to to email me also at pbhinkle at gmail.com. and I I haven't sold any of my music. I just haven't I haven't gotten there. And I usually give most of my stuff away or by donation. Or um, I just have so for so long felt like the music comes through me, not from me. And it didn't seem right to charge people. So um, I'm happy. And you had to another full
0: time occupation that was presumably
1: a source of income. Exactly. I've had the privilege of doing that and now maybe that I'm, you know, we'll contemplate a different future. I also, I think it's important. One of the things I, I really don't, um, I want to have a relationship with people. So I'm really more interested in, um, yeah, here's my music. Tell me what you're going to do with it. Mm. Like, where are you going to sing it? Mm-hmm. Who's it, you know, who is it for? Mm-hmm. How is it, how is it received? I'm, I'm really interested in that. That's my payment.
0: Beautiful. A huge thank you to you, Pam, for coming on a breath of song. And a huge thank you to you our listeners i'm so glad you're singing with us visit a to see the show notes all those show notes that i was just saying with links lyrics patty petrowski's glorious artwork sign up to get artwork and music in your mailbox how beautiful is that be one of the generous people who leave something in the gratitude jar to help cover costs before patty or i is paid We are not paid very much, I have to admit. But before that happens, 25% is donated to the Jazz Foundation of America, which directly supports jazz, blues, and roots musicians in need. The skill and the artistry of these musicians has directly shaped much of the music, if not most of the music that I share on this podcast, yet historically they have been inadequately recognized and unfairly recompensed. This is a small step toward restoration that we can take together. With songs that come out of the 60s, out of Peter, Paul, and Mary, so much of that was heavily, heavily influenced by African-American musicians. Yes. Yeah. Let's sing Reciprocity again to help it sink in more deeply. I
2: breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe, for the, me breathe, for, the me. I breathe for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe and for the trees and, and they breathe and for me. I breathe Living for the trees and they breathe for me. I breathe for the trees. I breathe in the moments and reach for each other. I put it for the moments and for the dream. I put it in the moments and for each other. I put it the moments and for the I put it in the moments and reach for each other. you
0: Thank you so much for coming today oh thank you (laughs) thank you listeners and singers for joining pam and me today for a breath of song i'm grateful that you're taking care of yourself and listening to your voice i believe making a better world starts with tuning into ourselves and each other which is what we just did like the trees so yay us all right if you're liking this podcast please share with a friend and next time we'll plant another song until then be well